You're listening to the AID Network. Friends, Connie and I need your help. These strong women need your help. Log in where a circle of trust members go to get today's episode and make sure you click on the form to vote for your picks for the strongest female characters so that we can put them in our anti-heroes contest to figure out who the greatest anti-hero on TV versus film and boom, our number one anti-hero. To do that, as always, go to AID.network where Circle of Trust members today get the complete version of this episode. And hey, friends, you asked for it. Jack Prince is going to extend it. That's right. Extended sticker savings, 25% off all full color stickers. That deal has been extended to the end of this month. That's right. You got till March 31st to get 25% off full color stickers. And that means any size and any shape, because with die cut stickers, you pick the shape. You pick between three premium stock options, and you can also decide what's on the back of your sticker because you always get free liner printing. Use the front to be the fun part. Use the back to inform your customers. 25% off. Let's create custom stickers in any size, shape, or color on your choice of six stocks. Without any color limitations, you can confidently print photographic elements and complex logos without any extra fees and no shipping to our U.S. customers. Head over to jackprince.com slash circle of trust to get started on your 25% off sticker deal today. So what do you say? We get started with today's episode of Comment Below, Strongest Female Characters with Connie Collinsworth and myself, Mark Bricky. Let's get started now. Welcome to this very special comment below where we're going to go through a list. I say a cutting edge list of the strongest female characters that Connie Collinsworth could dig up. Connie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am thrilled to have you on as our expert woman. <laughs> ah, I might put that on my business cards. That's right. You are expert woman because you know way more about a woman than all my other co-hosts. And <laughs> what we're going to do today is this. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, last month, we did a top 16 bracket of TV male antiheroes. And in that conversation, I said, well, I don't know, Connie, are we, when we figure out this for the ladies, are we going to be able to come up with 16? And at first, Connie said, I don't know. But then she dug and dug. And we have a massive list that we're going to sort through today. But here's where it all comes down and where you get involved at home. Connie and I are the judges. So it's like when, you know, when you go into court and a judge sits back and goes, I will hear your case. You have a case here. Today, that's what we're doing. We're just hearing the case. But you, the people, the jury, you are going to vote over on the forum that I've posted online, link given at the beginning of the episode, where you can go to vote for your 16. And, you know, you're like, oh, 16 a lot. So, you know, put in as many as you can. But if every, we just said vote for one and everybody voted for the same one, then we're not going to have enough for our bracket. So you know, why, why are you giving me all the details? Leave me alone. I'm trying to entertain you. 
So Connie, this is your list. How hard was it to get this? Well, the only thing that was hard about it, they started to flow once I got past the first few that you and I had discussed together and said, got to be on there, got to be on there. Then they started to flow. But then I found myself just putting a lot of women that I really liked Mm -hmm. (laughs) or women that not didn't necessarily do crimes. Um, So the list evolved into, are these actually villains or are they antiheroes? And I discussed a lot with my wife, um, who always has an opinion. And And who also um, likes women. Yes, yes. And um, we decided that you and I just needed to duke this out a little bit and then let the listeners have some input until we because just like how everyday women are very complex. These TV women are very complex. I think they're more complex than the men that we looked at. I think so, too. And I think that there's a weird thing that we're going to see today. And I actually went over to the dictionary and, and I have this in front of me. A hero. A hero is a person who's admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. But an anti-hero is a central character in a story, movie, or drama who lacks conventional heroic attributes. But then a villain is a character whose evil actions or motives are important to the plot. And I feel like a lot of these women we're going to look at, even though they are strong female characters and do heroic things, there is a tendency to villainize the woman and make her the conniving plot twisting sort of the, the, the wild card or dark horse in the storyline where you don't know which way she's going to go. So I think that we're going to kind of backslide into an interesting conversation about how strong women are characterized on TV. Absolutely. Because I, did that I did a lot of backsliding on my own with this list that I compiled. So I agree with you totally. All right, well let's just jump right in. First one you got up on your list here is Nancy Botwin, who's from Weeds. Uh, if you haven't watched Weeds, I'd highly recommend it. Great wife watcher, 30 minute show over on Showtime when Showtime was early getting into doing their original programming. It really flows. Um, it might fall a little bit off the rails. It may have stayed at the party a little bit too long, um, but it's a great show. And Nancy Botwin is this mom who gets into selling drugs, weed, to sort of keep her family together and to keep them at their lifestyle. Very interesting idea of, you know, California suburban mom turned drug dealer antics ensue. Yeah, I think what makes this one interesting and makes her interesting is we can all put ourselves in that place you know some the husband passes away unexpectedly and then she's left to pick up the pieces figure out how to handle this family of with some you know kids with some issues she's got a lifestyle that they're accustomed to she's also in a community of people who um are that you know that gated community type folks right um up on the the social ladder a little bit but we come to find out that everyone in this realm of hers is just as fucked up as she is so um where it's kind of almost a little bit of a breaking bad thing but but totally different tone because it's a you know 30 minute supposed to be a dark comedy so but nancy being a fish out of water you know she's the least likely person you would expect it to start selling weed to her neighbors <laughs> Yeah, it, she was an interesting character though because they kind of they kind of did this thing that, that I think that you see a lot with female characters where it 
took her a while to find her voice and to get assertive. So she was kind of mousy. She's incredibly attractive. And she started as it went along. She would play that and play men. You know, she would do the the age old, like, well, this guy likes me. I'll play that up. I'll get what I want. And so it's almost her sexuality started to become a tool, but so did her sort of figuring out how assertive she could be, but she could also be a boss, but could never manage her kids, which I think a lot of people, even Tony Soprano had that conflict in the Sopranos. Absolutely. She started out like seeking knowledge and being unsure of herself and going to other people that she thought could help. But she took a turn at some point in the show where much like Walter White did, where it was, a very confident, assertive turn, and she was making a lot of decisions, but also being really reckless, which kind of comes with the territory, I guess, of being assertive and confident. I'll tell you why I like Nancy. I got three reasons why. She was never afraid to fuck or get naked to get what she needed. I can understand that. <laughs> Always had a Starbucks in her hand. So do I. And she drove a Land Rover. My my, my dream whip. Uh, I absolutely love Nancy Botwin. And uh, I would be honored, as the judge, I'd be honored to have her in my field of 16. It's your turn at home to vote. Next up, you have Wendy Bird. Now, Wendy Bird's an interesting character because a lot like Nancy Botwin, it was about kind of finding her voice taking a leadership role, but boy, when she did, she really took over. And it's interesting because the show starts with sort of us seeing her cheating, right? There's the video, uh, oh, and this is Wendy Bird over on Ozark. Sorry, I should say that up at the top. But Wendy, we sort of see her as this, you know, when women cheat, they're seen as disgusting or, or untrustworthy. And, and that's the way that it's portrayed to us. So there's actually a video of her cheating, which is kind of, I think, a lot of men's worst nightmare, but also a subconscious bizarre fantasy. And so the way that it kind of shows her, like there's video of her cheating, breaking her vows, being sexual in a bad way. I think a big part of watching her take ownership of that and be like, I will not be reduced to a woman that cheated. And why do you still have that video on your laptop, Marty? <laughs> yeah, they painted her from the beginning. They wanted us as an audience to not like Wendy, to like Marty. Yeah. And to always question her and her motives. And she was and always going to slow him down. Yes. Yeah, he was the guy who understood the system, had been doing this forever, where we were led to believe that she was on the outside of this in all things, outside of their marriage, outside of his business, outside of their family. And that turn that she takes, I think that's one of the reasons you and I were so drawn to her and loved Ozark so much, and especially her character, and we're looking forward to the new seasons with her in a different role, is because the acting that it took there and the, the writing to bring us around to being fans of her yeah, was pretty epic. Because I think there's this, there's this thing, right, where you love Tony Soprano because he breaks the law and he's large and in charge. And even though Carmelo is, how do you say her name? Carmela. Carmela. Even though Carmela is normally always in the right, they make her bitchy and naggy. So she's like giving Tony shit 
and you're like, God, I can't believe she gets on his case. She should be getting on his case. He's a horrible person. But they portray her to be that nag and sort of that thorn in his side. And they started out doing that with Wendy, where Marty's just trying to save the family, and all she's ever doing is slowing him down, stopping him, and questioning him. But all of a sudden, as it goes on, she is just as in charge of Marty and at the end of season two, which I say was the best season of TV in 2018, she's now lapped him and he's now trying to follow her lead. So as far as empowerment goes, I think Wendy Bird's high up on the list here today. Yeah, she's got to be in in the picks for this. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't come down to, depending how the seating goes, because that's always the thing that determines it. Right. A Nancy, Wendy you know, slugfest. And because people are voting this time, I'm actually going to do the seating. So, you know, the person that's at 16, that woman will have to go up against the number one woman. So it will be seated properly because it is March Madness. Up next, we have <laughs> Elizabeth Jennings from the Americans. Very, very complex character. Um, you could never get a read on where she was at emotionally. You never knew did she like her husband? Was she playing Philip the entire time? But once again, I, I just want to go back to this because this is a theme that we've now seen three characters in a row. Her sexuality is a weapon. She seems completely detached from her vagina. Like it's, it's just a tool. Like, you know, how Batman had his tool belt with like all those little yeah. tools on her tool belt is a beautiful little vagina. And it doesn't seem like emotionally she has any attachment to sex whatsoever. Well, she did have with the one fella, the fellow agent that we didn't see after the first season. Gregory. Oh, right, right. And that, although they play that out to be her Achilles heel, it comes back to bite her, the emotional attachment to him. And it's always like a thing that's a separation between her and Philip. We we always feel for a good portion of the show like that, like you said, does she love Philip? Is she in this just for the business of, you know, mother country love? Or has she grown like Philip has to be attached to this relationship and the life they've built? But this time we have a little bit of equality on between her and Philip with their sexuality because Philip's out there fucking everybody too mm -hmm. for the job and so is she. But again, with the tone of it, it's, you know, Philip, we don't really get the feelings from him that we do from her. So I don't know um, if you had to write, you know, like pull up in the dictionary, quintessential female antihero. She would definitely be there in terms of TV and cinema. She fits all the bill for this. I just think it's so interesting, though, that once again, because her feelings are complex, his feelings are complex. It was portrayed in a way where we felt sorry for Philip and we became emotionally invested, but she always kept us at arm's length. And even when she was having her problems, they didn't portray her in the same sort of like feel sorry for her manner than they did with Philip. No, but, but she kept everything and everyone at arm's length because yeah. she was all in to the spy game. She was, she constantly you know with the comments about america and their way of life and things back home you know we knew where she stood in the mission philip we didn't know where he stood most of the time with anything true <laughs> so he didn't know so, either no he didn't so i think that that is why we felt more um kinship with philip because we could see that i don't know that we could all imagine being as kind of a stone cold hard 
uh, spy as she was. I think they embraced that storyline the most when she started to teach her teenage daughter the the family's trade, and she could literally just remove the idea that Paige was her baby girl that she had in her body for nine months. Like it, it just was a really interesting way where she could just turn it on and turn it off. And that's the only connection she ever had with Paige yeah. was the training. Like you can be this thing that I am and we can be alike then because I don't think that she ever bonded with those children. No, she just was emotionally completely unavailable. And it, I don't know. It's just interesting how differently those two were portrayed and you think well that's one show but then that's not too far off from the juxtaposition of Wendy Bird and Marty Bird right like Marty's nice you love him you feel bad for him and Wendy's just always kind of emotionally unavailable so when I looked at these I started to see a lot of through lines and how women are portrayed that I'd never really thought about because I was looking at it on a show-by-show -show basis looking at it in a pile I see the constant way here I think we're starting to see a trend here, and it's a theory that I have that there are far more men in the writers' rooms than there are women. And it's showing that men don't know how to connect with women. They don't know how to understand women. Mm -hmm. uh, for the, Not all, but, you know, in general. Like, it's an, a creature that they don't know how to write for. Um, I would love to look at this list, and I might do that afterwards and see what the writing looks like on these as far as the breakdown of men, women and men because I think we're seeing a trend here. Okay, up next, I'm going to have to recuse myself from this one. It's June from The Handmaid's Tale. I have put off watching The Handmaid's Tale because <laughs> I feel like it's going to be bleak. I, I know that it'll be good. There's just something about it when I've, I've literally hovered over its icon before on the uh, Apple TV and just... There's a little voice in my head that says, don't click it, Bricky. Don't click it. And I always listen to that voice. So then I go on to something else. I think I might be able to save you here because I think I'm going to have to strike June from my list because I was just thinking strong female characters. It was my first thing that I went to in my head. And she definitely fit that. But she is in the right in so much of this because she's basically in Trump times, you know, on television here. So... I don't think that she's going to fit into anti-hero at all. She's going to be like the heroine and she doesn't really do any crimes because I mean, she does crimes, but it's against like a futuristic version of the world. So we can't really relate to those crimes. I think unless there's an outpouring of folks listening that want to add her in, I'm going to strike June from my list. Well, I, I'm sorry, but this is the list and the audience has to vote. You, I, I cannot allow you to do that legally. Okay. I well, mean, okay. Well, I, I made my point then, so we'll see where, where it falls. For I, I mean, a good listener will go, well, she's not going to make it. So why would I vote for her? But I mean, you, you, you yeah. can't do that. I mean, the, the horse is out of the barn here. Okay. Well, she's in there, but I, I don't feel like she fits a lot of the categories that you and I were considering with this. Still, I wish people, you know, would watch it and I hope that you watch it at some point. You may have to wait until after 2020 to watch it yeah it, it could get too wild watching that and having the next meltdown <laughs> happening at the same time but we'll, yeah we'll see all right so then up next this is one that i i'm going to call out to you on i i love betty draper from mad men but i don't know that she was heroic and I certainly don't know that she was an anti-hero. I'd love to hear your case on this one. Because if well, I'm, excuse me, if I'm picking Mad Men, didn't mean to cut you off. I had a burp that fell yeah. out there. <laughs> if if I'm looking at Mad Men, I'm thinking Jones, the anti-hero. Yeah, this was hard for me to get. This was just a name that kind of kept 
we kept tossing around and I, and I put her on the list and she, we definitely did not like Betty at first, you know, through a majority of the show, we did not like Betty. She seemed like a horrible mother. She was, um, just not a good person caught up in too many, caring about too many of the wrong things. And, but I have recently rewatched again, Mad Men. <laughs> How many times have you seen it now? <laughs> this is in my seventh rewatch and wow. Stacy started it back with me again. Um, Every time I just, I, I, I'll find little bits of conversations and things that I don't notice and don't know how that I've missed over them or if it's me changing with the show. Mm -hmm. And so I'm picking up and hearing different things. I think she has a hero's journey just in the show that we, that we hated her so much at the beginning. And by the end, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched all the way through, don't listen, but she really, what she did was prepared Sally to she survived Don mm -hmm. and she prepared Sally to go on and be a strong female that she was not able to be based on how she was raised, mm -hmm. when she was raised, how her mother treated her, how her father treated her, gotten a bad marriage, all these things that were just against her, but she survived those things. Hero, anti-hero, I don't know, but I feel like she had a hero's journey. I was glad that I went along with it. I, every time I watch it, she becomes more complex. If first time you watch through this show, you're just going to think Betty is one thing. And living with it, the times that I have, when it gets down to those last episodes and we find out Betty's fate, it's a tearjerker for me beyond my own personal reasons for it. It's just like, I'm glad this character got some redemption. I'm glad that she had a purpose throughout the whole show. So hero, anti-hero, not sure. Strong female character, definitely. Why did they make her fat for a season? I, I still don't know what the point. It was her worst. It was her worst fear. Okay. I mean, that's all I can think of is it was her worst fear, and it it really, like you know, when you've got somebody that an alcoholic or drug addict or someone, and they they hit rock bottom. I think that was her rock bottom. Everything took its effect on her, and she had no worth for herself. So why not just go on and, and add the weight on? And I just thought it was such a bizarre thing that she's perfect 10 gets heavy. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Where is this going? You cast this woman who's beautiful. You do this to her. It's obviously going to go someplace. And then much like Mac on, it's always sunny from Philadelphia. She just lost the weight. And I'm like, what was the point of that journey? I do like though, that when you summarize her though, you think of like first scene, to her endpoint, and you follow that complete storyline. The thing that once again fascinates me is she was very much cast the way that Wendy and Elizabeth were, opposite of a guy that you love, even though he's doing bad things, and here's his wife, always slowing him down, always being a thorn in his side. I think that your theory of a lot of men in the writing room thinking about how they looked at their dad. Their dad was cool. He was the hero. He was like, yeah, what do you want to do, sport? And the mom was the one who was like, go wash your hands. It's time to eat. I, th I think you're nailing on something here. And I think we're also looking at why, let me bring politics in, which makes people unhappy, but why it's so hard for a woman to run for president because of our, oh, God, I really like what Beto has to say. But my God, when Camilla gets up there and talks, it's like she's nagging at me. You know what I mean? It, it's like, yep. I think that I'm seeing this through line here. That's why I stand by my statement I've made a couple times on this show and my own podcast. I don't think in my lifetime and maybe one after we'll have a woman elected president. We're just 
not ready as a society. I mean, my God, the women that couldn't get off of how Hillary looked, what she wore, mm-hmm. the fact that she couldn't control her husband, being as most of them probably can't control their husbands either. That's not her fault, what he did to her. You know, all of those kind of things. We, they never get cast onto a male candidate at all. I mean, b- point being, look at Trump. Uh, that stuff just bounced off him like he was, you know, metal coated. I mean, everything seems to with him. He's a, he's a bit of an anomaly, but I, I definitely get what you're saying. And I'm, yeah. it's fascinating to look at this list and compare the relationships that we've seen on TV shows that I absolutely adore. So I'm curious, why no Peggy? Why no Joan? Why did you not see them as top anti-hero material because we kind of loved them all along and mm-hmm. through and t- until the very end with joan and then well close to the end and i understand why they why they changed her character she still was mean to donna i don't like that but <laughs> we all we always liked you know we always rooted for peggy mm-hmm. we always rooted for joan they were smarter than any of the men in the room pretty yep. much yep. um I don't know. So maybe it, and maybe just the situations they were put in because they were in such a time, like their situations were like trying to compete with just the sexism of the time right? and the, the pay, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, that women weren't seen to be in, you know, supervisor roles or, you know, like a head of accounts or head copywriter or those kind of things that maybe their, their mission, I'm not saying they were simplistic, but that the mission of them wasn't like a hero's mission. It was more of just like a progress. Yeah. I don't really, I, I don't know. Betty was just one that, because she was for me, like the character changed so much. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a weak argument for me. It's hard to say that show, like I, you and I sometime again, maybe just need to do a whole Mad Men because I'll start talking in circles around it if I try to compare the women in it. I, well, it's, it's a great show. Up next we have, I once again will have to recuse myself. I have not seen it. Serena Joy of Handmaid's Tale. I absolutely love the actress that plays this character. Oh, I do too. Uh, she had kind of a crappy role on Dexter, but I was all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Serena Joy for me, um, she is the husband, uh, the wife of the man who is one of the commanders of the so-called government, you know, the religious military combo government that they have. And we find she's very, you know, she, in this, the women in the households are very subservient to the men. They have no role. They do nothing basically but sit around and try to learn or participate in the old homemaking things like knitting, sewing, but yet they have other women that do the cooking and and attending to the house or whatever. They're just supposed to sit around and be a prop for the men. And we interestingly find out in the show that Serena Joy was more known than her husband she was a successful political activist before the switch to this government yeah she was the power player she devised the plan that led to the downfall of the current government and switching over to the uh, gilead government it was all her idea and what happened to her then was she got the society she wanted in spades and it was not what she bargained for came back she was to haunt her. There. came back to haunt her because where because men then took over mm. the idea she had and we also find out that you know and the thing about uh handmaid's tale is that the women there's an infertility problem the women cannot have children now it's just the women cannot have children but no one ever looks to see that it's 
the men who are actually the problem. Right. <laughs> so she, you know, you, you lose women when they can't reproduce, they lose their power, apparently, is like what they're trying to get across there. But um, she, uh, some things happen in the show where she starts to question how things are going and whether they're right or wrong. And the, a little bit of the old Serena Joy comes back and she helps in some of the escapades to to help the women. She um, takes her power back a little bit in the mm. show, which aids June, who is, um, you know, uh, the main character in uh, trying to transform the society either back or escape out of it or get to freedom. It's really complex and without so anti-hero in a way where she makes a lot of mistakes and is kind of trying to right her wrongs and redeem herself a little bit. She's the Jamie Lannister of this show. Got it. Got it. If that's that makes perfect. sense. Yeah, that's a perfect analogy of yeah. that sort of bizarre hero's tale. Uh, up next, we have one that I think will be very, very hard to beat, <laughs> which is Nurse Jackie. Uh, if you haven't watched Nurse Jackie on Showtime, it is an excellent show. And this character portrayed by uh, Edie Falco is possibly my favorite female character in the history of TV just because of how hard she played this character and how intense she was, how she moved through everything. And just like, you know, she wanted to do good, but she was a completely flawed person and her addiction just is the end of her and it really it was such a great look at addiction that it's like no matter how hard you try to be better no matter how hard you try to do the right thing and you are always aware what the right thing is addiction will always take you out of the end because you're addicted to it it's just that simple this show was such a show for me where I felt like Jackie was my relative. Jackie was my aunt who could never get clean. Jackie yeah. was my friend who never took my advice, who had so much going for her, smart, skilled, compassionate, loving, and that and just something always took over and you can you know you've we've all got that friend who just can't do the right thing <laughs> and it was an emotional roller coaster i would have to to step away from jackie for a while and like deal with myself with my emotions with this show yeah having a faulty mom that kind of you know has had a hard time getting her stuff together it it kind of gave me a bizarre behind the scenes look at at parenting when you you want to do the right thing, but you can't take care of your kids because you can't really take care of yourself yet. And sort of that facade of like, well, I'm your mother. I know better. Do you technically? Do you really yeah. know? I mean, you may know better, but do you know how to act better? Do you know how to be better? I don't think that you do. So it was, it was an interesting look at that. I tell you, in this show, there's a character that I absolutely just had a huge crush on because she <laughs> checks the boxes for some of my things for the perfect woman. The doctor, the woman that was Jackie's friend, the brunette doctor who was like a British yeah. woman, like yeah. sophisticated looking older lady, dark hair, had her own money, had her own path in life, didn't really need anybody, always wore the best shoes that you could wear. Like, I just think that she just checked all the boxes where she'd come on. I'm like, that's a perfect New York City woman right there. A perfect New York City woman. Perfect. I, I'd like to think of her as like she deserves the best things in life and knows it and isn't afraid to pay for them for herself. <laughs> that kind of for herself. Yeah. Yes. And um, she was a good friend to Jackie. She was good. You know, she's that one that was 
there for her and get, could give the tough love also and probably the only person that really understood her i also love the character of zoe on this show played by oh, Mary weaver did. who is one of my all-time favorites so there's a lot going on with nurse jackie if you haven't watched it um i recommend it also i recommend she plays highly in our bracketing okay so with nurse jackie I- a very different character than all the women that we've talked about so far and many that we will come to because she's like the show revolves around her. She's her husband is it, it like there's a different sort of relationship there where you're not quite as invested in him because you're following her path. So it's an incredibly like selfish show because it's so about the centralized character, but that character is so strong and she acts it so well that she can carry the weight for the entire show. So as far as like independence goes, maybe the strongest for me, the strongest woman on the list, even though incredibly flawed, she never plays second fiddle or villain to a man, you know, like it, it, it's just Jackie kind of against the world. And you know, you said that she, the doctor is such a great friend to her. One of the things that I found interesting about the show is it shows how, when you do have addiction, you constantly will let down your husband, your daughters, your friends, your boyfriend, your boss. Like she can't be accountable to anyone because she's too selfish to, to think about anyone other than herself. Yeah, and she was always putting everyone that she supposedly loved in the worst situations. They had to compromise their own morals or decide if they were going to for her. And that's a situation you don't ever want to put anybody that you love in. Yeah, very, very fascinating show. If you haven't watched it, if you overlooked it somehow, I would really recommend jumping back in. Hey, friends, I hope you're enjoying today's conversation with Connie Collinsworth as we look at the strongest female characters on TV. Don't forget, Circle of Trust members, we need your help to vote. Where you downloaded the episode today, make sure to click on the forum and vote for your picks of the strongest female characters. You may remember a while back we did this with the TV male antiheroes. If you didn't see that episode, you can actually watch it over at youtube.com slash adventures in design. Circle of Trust members, don't forget to log in today at AID.network and vote for your picks for strongest female characters. Head over to youtube.com slash adventures in design to watch the male antiheroes and keep a lookout for when we announce when you can watch live and help us vote live for the female antiheroes over at youtube.com slash adventures in design. Let's get back in today's episode with Connie Collinsworth. All right, this next one, I'm not quite sure how to say her name. Is it Annalise Keaton? Perfect. Annalise Keating. Okay, from, perfect. I got it, right? <laughs> I say one thing, get, tell me perfect, from, you say something else. All right, so from <laughs> How to Get Away with Murder. How to Get Away with Murder, the uh, ABC Thursday night, you know, uh, Shonda Rhimes kind of juggernaut show comes on right after um, Grey's Anatomy and, and all those, you know, TGIF or whatever they're calling them shows. Um, I watch this one. I'm assuming you don't. No, I have to recuse <laughs> myself from this one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Annalise, though, is a picture-perfect anti-hero. She breaks more laws than any woman on television, and she's a lawyer. So, okay. Well, that's how <laughs> that, you, when you're a lawyer, you know how to manipulate the law. Oh, absolutely. Um, she's a uh, strong female character, again. She's a respected uh, professor of law, also practicing lawyer. She has uh, classes and in that's how we get the group in this show is that she picks certain 
um, students each season to work in her practice and um, they become involved in her cases. But she also has so much personal drama going on with a husband and some sketchy folks that have worked for her for years. And she's one of those people that it's just like... It's the show is, you know, very melodramatic because it is Shonda Rhimes. But uh, there's always one thing leads into another into another. But her performance and um, why am I losing her name? Uh, Viola Davis Mm -hmm. is so magnetic. She is one of those people that I could watch in anything. And there was an award show a few years back where she she won over like several other people like people from the office and from the americans or whatever and i before i started watching the show i was like you cannot fucking tell me that she is better than blah 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 and (laughs) i've been proven wrong (laughs) that she is definitely that good in this show she um she's always like seeking the right things and to protect people and to um like she takes on supreme court cases for people who have been wronged and you know class actions for underprivileged people and for people who the system is failing. So that's her hero's journey. But the things she does in her private life are constantly at odds with the good she's trying to do. So it's a very complex character. It's um, the show probably suffers from people, you know, thinking, well, it's a network show and right. I don't want to watch it. But it is so addicting. It's one that I watch the night that it's on or the next morning. And that show's still airing, correct? Yes. Wow. That, that goes to show something because when you're on network TV, you have to make a lot of people happy. It's way easier to be successful on Netflix or Hulu or Showtime or HBO. A long-lasting network TV show is the hardest thing you can do in TV. Up next, we have Claire Underwood, uh, played by Robin. Is it Robin Wright Penn or just Robin Penn these days? Well, they're divorced. I think she just went back to Robin Wright. Robin she? Wright. Okay. So Claire Underwood. I... I can't vote today, obviously. I need the audience to vote before I can get my say. But as the judge here, I think she's just straight up villain. I think she might be the most villainous woman in the history of TV. Everything she does is conniving. But in a different way of the other women that I've talked about were like, the husband's happy-go-lucky. And the woman is the one who's holding him back. And she's the one that, that slows it down and takes out all the fun and the air out of the room. The Underwoods were a perfect match because they were just two complete sociopaths that somehow decided not to fall in love, but to make a joint union of a criminal empire together. And Claire Underwood, man, oh man, is she vicious and scary in all the same ways that a Hannibal Lecter is. Yeah. And wasn't that a great tagline from that ended one of the seasons? We make the terror. Yeah. Like the two of it was so real too. When they said that, I just looked at Stacey. I was like, holy shit, this is perfect, you know? And maybe it's because I'm drawn to to pairs. I'm drawn to couples that mm-hmm. are like power couples, couples that are like thick and thin together no matter what, couples that have a plan, couples that are going for the same goal. You're much that way with Beth. I'm that way with Stacey. I mean, we're not out making terror too much, but <laughs> I, <laughs> too much. But I'm drawn to that dynamic of somebody that you know has your back right. and they're back there and what you're doing may be fucking wrong, but it doesn't matter. They're still going to be your ride or die. They're going to be there. And that's definitely these two. But I am going to agree with you. And going back through my list, straight up villain. I can't find anything redeemable other than her loyalty. I would almost think it, the true anti female antihero on that show would be Zoe Barnes. Yes. Don't you think? 
Uh, yeah, I would have to say so. Um, th- there's not much anti-hero going on in it, and I didn't watch the last little bit, so I I'm, have to defer to you more on on how everything ended up. Oh, but, one of the worst endings ever. How did it end? The last season of House of Cards is one of the worst final seasons ever. To tell you how bad it is, is I put it in the category of Dexter bad. Whoa, that's pretty bad. Okay, well, I'm not missing anything on that then, but I will agree with you. Um, a little bit of the list, you know, they're going to be people that I find don't fit, and she's one that, to me, doesn't fit for the anti-hero, straight-up villain. Okay, I could veto, and I could put on Zoe Barnes. I'm not going to do it, because I don't think that she could go the whole way, but I will hold on to my votes for later. Now okay. we move over to the Game of Thrones franchise, and you have the Khaleesi. I think this very much fits into an anti-hero and I think that when we look at her, and granted, she comes from a fictional universe, or does she? But <laughs> when you look at the Khaleesi, this is a more modern telling of a strong female character. You know, she's not bound by men. She's not attached to a man. She decides the men in her life. She decides when she's done with them. She decides how to use them. She's not vulnerable and sleeps with a guy. And then she's like, oh my God, I feel like there's a piece of me still in there. Like, I feel like that this is a template that when we look back on it, she'll be some of the characters will be the turning point in the road of how women were portrayed on TV. Yeah, the uh, Daenerys could be a character that could have been written male, and then just somewhere along the line they shifted it. I mean, 100%. obviously, we, obviously we have the beginnings where she was to be married off, you know, so things could have been tweaked. But this is she's like love them, love them and leave them, Khaleesi. Yeah, <laughs> I'll forge this alliance to get me to where I need to be and align these other people. And if I can't use you, I'm cutting you loose. But at the same time, we root for her. We want her to succeed. I, I just think that this is a different type of female character. And I think that you nailed it, that gender really doesn't play into her main story arcs. I mean, yeah, they have used her gender for some sexuality. And in the beginning you, you saw her boobs and stuff and that's that good time is over. But <laughs> the way that she is with the men in her life doesn't feel like the, stereotypical female characters we've seen in the past there's definitely an enormous amount of like strength in her that we've never seen her seem weak or need somebody to help pick her up no more than anybody else in the show um and it you know they have given nods to of course she is a woman but i think the difference is they haven't made it all about her being a woman and it's never been questioned it's never been looked at weird like she's just this mythical character that is doing these things that nobody can believe that's happening and it's never like whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on honey you should smile a little bit when you're standing <laughs> next to your dragons it's like i'm fucking scared of her i don't know what's going to happen next she's definitely in charge yeah and you know, so many men in the show have pursued her and I don't think it's like, okay, she's the hot dragon babe. That's not why they're pursuing Mm-mm. her. Because they think they can't have her. She's a challenge. They want to be the dude that gets Khaleesi and that, you know, Khaleesi is is okay with. Um, so and I think that's because they're drawn to those qualities in her that we're talking about, which are inherently male, it seems like qualities in yeah. TV shows and movies. So there's a little, you know, stuff going on there. But I don't know whether it's like men want to like sleep with her or men want to stand beside her more. Hands down, if I'm in a drinking hole and Khaleesi's in there, and I'm in Game of Thrones times, right? 
And I'm yeah. over there hanging out with my loincloth, which is really weird because my love handles like my guts hanging over my loincloth belt. Um, and they're like, hey, man, what do you think of that blonde over there? I go, I think I don't have a chance. I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm not going to talk to her. I'm going to go hang out with that little feller over there and see what he's talking about. <laughs> like, I, I, this is a woman that I would for sure be way too intimidated to go after. And the guys that do go after her, they have sort of this arrogance that she squashes and almost flips it around on them. Like, yeah, I know that I fucked you, but don't don't think that this is going to turn into something because I'm on to the next one. Yeah, you ain't that special, babe. No, no, <laughs> not at all. And once again, characteristics that historically we've seen associated to male characters. Yes, and I think that's why she's so intriguing in this show to both men and women. All right, so then we have Cersei Lannister on the list. I'm saying once again, <laughs> if you're voting at home, I'm, I'm begging you to think, like, I hate her, but I love her, but she is a villain. I don't know if the woman's ever did a goddamn heroic thing in her entire character's life. <laughs> No, this was just, you know, me running off at the at the brain with my list. Um, Cersei, I want her to do something. I want her to turn. I want her to have a shift. I want her to be a hero at some point. And I don't think that she is. She's got a lot of stuff to make up for. Brother fucker. I, I, doubt, I doubt that that's going to happen in this last Yeah, I mean, episode. it's kind of like, um, you know, when you've been married to somebody your whole life, when they're a senior, you're like, well, maybe your father will stop. It's like, mom. Dad's never going to stop being dad. He's been this way his whole life. That's who he's going to be. And I think seriously is seriously. Now, I do have the power. I have the authority to add someone on the list. And I'm now going to strike and do that. While we're in okay. this area, I think Let's the, do it. the true, strong, female anti-hero of Game of Thrones is Arya. Arya Stark. I think, I think that is a true hero's journey. Yeah. And I don't know why she didn't even pop up to me. Because um, you're sexist. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, that's a good add in there. I think she's going to get a lot of people's attention in this bracketing and voting because she's one of those characters, again, that everyone everyone likes because she's like the underdog or, you know, she was she's so dismissed early on and has proven herself to be skilled, smart beyond her years. And she has loyalty. She has a code, which we haven't brought up code this much this at all this yeah, episode. And, and we did for men. That's funny. But she's definitely has a code. Yeah. You bring up a good point because we were fixated on the codes when it came to the men. Hmm, that's like, interesting. Yeah. Look at us. <laughs> okay. I put her in there for sure. Let's let's kick Cersei uh, over the edge, much like little little uh, Bran. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And, yeah, and no, I drop somebody in. I think that she has a, a really great journey that she's on. Um, I think that what we've seen her do and evolve, and it's almost like every season she levels up. She becomes another year older. She's a little bit wiser. She's been to places and seen some sort of terrifying things. And like as we've watched the whole show go, some people have kind of just been themselves but her and Jon Snow we've literally see them sort of evolve and her more than Jon we've seen her really sort of evolve from I mean she was a child in season one and she's just been on this epic journey that if there was ever I think a character that would be worthy 
of like a side show. I think that her character could for sure be the center focus of like a side story. She's been all over. She's seen everything. She's done all kinds of adventures. She's been in and out of hijinks and shenanigans, good and bad. But she has like that straight arrow like to her. Mm -hmm. Like we, you know, there are characters where we've said before, like they're unpredictable. We don't know what they'll do. We don't know how they'll react. We know what she's going to do. Yeah. And you are right. This is the first time that we're really sort of mentioning the code, which we did focus on an enormous amount with the men. But I think that a lot of these women's heroes journeys have been a little bit different. You know, like they've so far, a lot of the women we've looked at have been sort of inside of a story that was going on around them. I think she's one of the first one that's sort of on more of that typical stereotypical like male journey, you know? And I think Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. we're really looking at a show that's very popular among a different demographic of people because it's made for a different demo of people. The only other woman that we've looked at so far that really did have a code would have been Elizabeth Jennings. And mm-hmm. that's more of like a military thing and, and sort of like a brainwash type thing. But the the other women were simply kind of figuring out their own life and weren't really a part of like a bigger construct as Arya is. Yeah. Elizabeth's was um, instilled in her against her will. And I think that, or not against her will, but um, unbeknownst to her, it was, she was like you said, brainwashed. But Arya's just comes from being a Stark. Arya's just comes from being a Stark and knowing right and wrong. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to today's free version of Comment Below with Connie Collinsworth and myself. Hope you're having fun looking at how women are written into modern TV stories and how some of these characters are starting to show a change in the narrative, a change in the storyline, and as Connie says, a change of women in the writing room. It's going to be an exciting time to be a fan of TV as everything catches up with the world that we all want to live in, where everyone is celebrated for whom they are. To hear the second part of this conversation, to celebrate it, you need to go to AID.network, become a member of the Circle of Trust, where you hear the full version of today's episode and all episodes that go out on the AID network, as well as when you log in, we need to make sure that you vote. You got to do what America couldn't do the last time and vote for these women so that we know who goes into our final 16 that soon you'll be able to see over on YouTube live if you're available that day to help us cast that third tipping vote. If Connie says this way and I say that way, we might need you to get in the middle and arbitrate a victory for some of these ladies. Let's get into the second part of today's episode. We've got over 40 more minutes of content coming your way and more of these great women to look at in entertainment. Sign up today at AID.network. Let's get into part two of the Circle of Trust. Okay, next up we have from Orange is the New Black, Alex Voss, which is... The brunette who used to be on that 70s show, right? That's that because I get that's a show where I've watched it. I know the characters by face. I don't know if I took the time to actually learn any of their names. <laughs> yeah, Alex Voss uh, is portrayed by Laura Perpon, who used to be Hot Donna on that mm-hmm. 70s show. Thank yes. you for calling her Hot Donna so I didn't have to. <laughs> she is Hot Donna. <laughs> okay, Alex Voss. Um, she is the person, like the most mag magnetic I guess person that's Mm -hmm. on that show I think to me there's something that's so watchable about her and she's definitely different than we've seen her on other shows this actress portraying 
her it's so different so she's a criminal she's an international drug smuggler dealer who is the reason that piper who is the main character is the you know the upper crust society blonde you know life is good good girl it gets in put into prison which is the reason that we have the whole story at all she basically brought her into the world of drug smuggling and ruined her whole life with alex you see her as an anti-hero because she redeems herself in the prison i think she redeems herself in the prison quite a lot she's a weak one on this list um there were, you know there's more that i listed from orange is the new black and i don't think any of them now are really qual- qualifying as an anti-hero i do think the strong female character or strong woman character does fit and does sure. apply but she is uh almost you would think that being the international drug smuggler who has you know wronged other people that she wouldn't be the one with the moral compass and um you know kind of uh, she's the baseline of this show i think she all the other people are crazy things and schemes and out of character and she's the one that stays true to herself and is kind of a protector for piper even though she's the reason she's in there she's her becomes her protector piper though in the beginning she's sort of us in the storyline right like she's the one person that we can kind of follow along with and she kind of represents the innocence of prison. Like, well, what would it be like if we would go there? And then as it goes along and she starts to get corrupt and kind of loses herself in there, although that's an interesting story, you kind of lose the focus of the show, right? Cause there's a thing about prison movies that are fascinating or prison shows that are fascinating to us. is like, Oh my God, if I had to go to prison, how would I interact? So there's something about kind of a slightly innocent person going through this that it it is the contradiction to the bizarre right and the new normal but as she normalized it and became a part of it then the show was just all deviance doing bad things and i started to look over beth and go what's the point of this where is this going what's the point of this yeah, she got a little, they let her get a little too comfortable and a little too big for her britches, I guess, in the prison that no one would normally do. You would, that wouldn't happen with anyone. You wouldn't go in there and start running the underground trades and um, challenging the authorities and, uh, you know, you basically unionizing these women and, and right. doing all this stuff for, again, she didn't do, she supposedly unbeknownst to her did the thing that got her in there, but then she's turned into a prison criminal, which doesn't work yeah. for a normal person going to jail. If you and I did that, we would go in there, put our head down, do our time and get out. I mean, I would be running a stable of women, but other than that, I mean, I don't know that you would want to leave. Stacy would show up and you're like, I'm good, man. I'm good. Let me tell you something. I never told you this before, but there's a safe out underneath the old hickory shed. There's some money that I squirreled away there for you, but I'm, I'm going to kind of ride this prison thing out. Like I've, I've got a stable of women. I'm making 12 smokes a day. I'm doing great. Would it surprise you if I say that on, on a not very unfrequent time that I do think about how I would run a stable of women in prison? Oh, that does not <laughs> that does not surprise me whatsoever. <laughs> like that completely seems within your character's wheelhouse. <laughs> and and I use the term 